1: Good morning. This is the California Report. I'm Saul Gonzalez in Los Angeles. We start with an agreement that's supposed to get more coronavirus vaccines to more Californians faster. The state has struck a deal with nonprofit health coverage giant Blue Shield of California for Blue Shield to manage the state's distribution of vaccines to counties, drugstores, and healthcare providers. It's a big change and notable for two reasons. It will centralize vaccine distribution efforts that have largely been diffuse and it shifts distribution responsibilities away from state and local authorities and to an outside third party. A Blue Shield spokesperson says the company is looking forward to dramatically increasing the rate of vaccinations in California. Details of the agreement are still being hammered out, but the management change is supposed to be complete by the middle of February. Healthcare provider Kaiser Permanente will also help with vaccine distribution efforts. California's slow vaccine rollout has been blamed on a limited vaccine supply. But having enough trained people to actually give the shots on an industrial scale is also a factor. In San Diego, KPBS health reporter Taryn Mento witnessed a vaccinator training session.
2: Registered nurses like Celine Salazar already know how to
3: give a shot. We do flu vaccinations. And I know how it's prepped, like how it's handled beforehand, what it's it's stored. But there are some other steps unique to the
2: COVID-19 vaccines.
3: Like I thought they were very similar. Like you just puncture it and bring it out and it would be ready. But the Pfizer needs to be reconstituted with normal settings that is once it's out of the fridge it's only good for two hours?
2: While landscapers worked outside on a recent cloudless day, Salazar spent hours inside at a county vaccination site learning the particulars for both the Pfizer and Moderna injections.
4: Moderna has to stay out for fifteen minutes before it's use.
2: Okay. Salazar is a program manager at the nonprofit Champions for Health. They work with volunteer medical professionals to do surgeries for the uninsured and also host immunization clinics. Usually, that's the flu shot, but soon it'll be the COVID 19 vaccine. Salazar will take this training and teach her volunteers to give the vaccinations, starting at long term care facilities.
3: I'm ecstatic. I am like jittery with excitement to know that. I, Celine, get to be part of this, this
2: move. Salazar's first patient during her training was just as excited to be on the other end of her syringe at the county vaccination site. She put her new vaccine knowledge to use on healthcare worker Howard Fanning. He says he's been wanting the vaccine since before it was even approved in the U.S.
5: Like, I wanted to get it right away. I, wanted, I want to feel safe. I want everyone else to feel safe as well. I think it's uh, my duty to do that and for everybody else to so we can move on with our lives.
2: Salazar bared her arm as well to receive the vaccine, but she thinks giving the immunization is the bigger deal.
3: One day as I get older and I'm a grandma or, you know, I'm not working. I could tell people like when COVID happened, I got to be a part of it. I got to not only sit down and look at it in the news, but be out there and be active and make a difference.
2: Champions for Health began vaccinating long-term and senior care facilities in San Diego County this week. The nonprofit is actively seeking more volunteer health care workers. For the California Report, I'm Taryn Mento in San Diego.
1: The coronavirus has spread so widely inside Fresno County's jail that the number of COVID cases there actually exceeds the total number of jail inmates. From KVPR Valley Public Radio, Carrie Klein reports.
6: According to the Fresno County Sheriff's Office, nearly 4,000 inmates and staff members have tested positive for the virus since the pandemic began. However, Sheriff's Office spokesperson Tony Boddy says the high caseload in the jail reflects what's happening in the county.
1: We have so many people come into the jail and go out of the jail. So much like it spreads in the community and how we just had a spike um, in the last couple of months, uh, the jail is really no different.
6: That revolving door also explains why 3,800 inmates have contracted the virus while only 2,500 are currently incarcerated there. Fresno criminal defense attorney Eric Schweitzer isn't surprised the jail's COVID total is so high. He says administrators could have prevented many cases if only they had thinned out the population by releasing more medically vulnerable, nonviolent offenders.
1: Fresno County dragged his feet.
6: Body reports none of the infected people have died inmates are offered COVID tests on intake and every week but their tests are voluntary just as they are for staff for the california report i'm carrie klein in fresno
1: we've heard a lot recently about especially contagious coronavirus variants well researchers are using a technique called genomic sequencing to understand how those variants occur and how they spread cap radio scott rod reports
4: as the coronavirus spreads, it slowly mutates. That may sound scary, but it's actually a useful breadcrumb trail for epidemiologists. Joe DeRisi is a professor at UCSF and co-president of the Chan Zuckerberg Biohub, one of several genomic sequencing labs in California. It allows us to track any given viral genome all the way back to Wuhan, China. So you have like this historical record of all the accumulated mutations since it started growing. That allows public health officials to confirm the source of an outbreak if everyone infected shares the same virus mutations. Most changes in the virus don't raise alarm bells, but genomic sequencing can help identify variants that are more deadly or contagious. For the California Report, I'm Scott Rodd in Sacramento.
1: A statewide group of parents frustrated with the lack of progress in returning students to in-person learning is coming together to put more pressure on Governor Gavin Newsom. KQED's Julia McAvoy reports.
7: The newly formed Open Schools California unifies parent groups from San Diego to Marin. These are parents who accuse the governor of not having the political will to reopen school campuses after nearly a year of distance learning. Megan Bacigalupi is helping organize. She has two children in an Oakland elementary school.
5: We are seeing governors across the country begin to take decisive action to reopen their schools. And the pressure to do so came in part from parents advocating for it.
7: Bacigalupi says they are especially concerned about academically at-risk children from underfunded districts who are falling behind. But in San Francisco, relatively more Black and Brown parents say they don't feel safe sending their children back, according to the teachers' union. And in Richmond, where COVID-19 has hit hard, a majority of parents surveyed by the school district also say they aren't ready to send their kids back. United, Headed Teachers of Richmond President Marissa Glidden.
6: It's very clear to us that families that are most impacted by COVID, who've had to suffer through deaths and, you know, really close interactions or suffered through it with their own families, are much more hesitant to return to school. And those are predominantly families of color.
7: Open Schools California says it wants all parents to have a choice. It just doesn't want kids to fall further behind. For the California Report, I'm Julia McAvoy.
1: In Sacramento, Democratic state lawmakers are taking another swing to reduce the number of criminal defendants held in jail before trial. This comes after the bail industry successfully beat back a measure to eliminate cash bail in California altogether. KQED politics correspondent Marisa Lagos reports.
5: The bail industry put Prop 25 on the ballot to overturn sweeping bail reform legislation. In November, state voters sided with the bail industry and killed that legislation. It would have ended cash bail in the state and replaced it with a system that gave judges more power to decide who should be released from jail before trial. Those changes weren't only opposed by the bail industry, though. Progressive activists worried judges would keep more people behind bars. Despite that defeat, Oakland State Senator Nancy Skinner says polls show... Clearly,
4: Californians appreciate that the money bail system as structured is patently unfair that someone should not have to sit in jail just because they couldn't afford bail.
5: Skinner is one of three lawmakers making another attempt to curb cash bail. The proposed legislation would set bail at $0 for misdemeanors and low-level felonies and mandate that people who do have to pay bail get refunded nearly all of their money from bail bond companies if the charges are dropped or they show up for all their court appearances. The proposal would also call for the state to set a uniform bail schedule in all counties. Currently, bail amounts fluctuate wildly. Skinner thinks there's appetite in the legislature for the changes. But Jeff Clayton, executive director of the American Bail Coalition, believes the measure is unconstitutional.
7: It's
1: not going to survive a constitutional challenge. Um, Simply put, the legislature doesn't have the power to set
4: bail under the California Constitution. Only judges have the power to fix bail.
5: Clayton also says in many cases, bail agents would have no incentive to post bond if they think they're just going to have to refund the money later on. For the California Report, I'm Marisa Lagos.
1: Our Governor Gavin Newsom is going through a political rough patch right now with people criticizing his sometimes confusing pandemic announcements and tendency to act first and explain himself later to other elected officials. Then there was the criticisms he got for going to an upscale wine country restaurant with friends, seemingly flaunting his own pandemic rules. Take all of this together and Republicans long in California's political wilderness sense an opportunity. KQED senior political editor Scott Schaefer explains.
0: There's an old saying in politics that you can't beat somebody with nobody. And at the statewide level, at least, Republican candidates in California have pretty much been nobodies. Nobody who can win. There hasn't been a full-on competitive Republican candidate in California in a decade since Meg Whitman ran for governor. That's Republican campaign consultant Rob Stutzman, hearkening back to 2010 when the former eBay CEO Meg Whitman challenged Jerry Brown before losing by 13 points. He says the current political environment, stoked by the governor's uneven handling of the pandemic, opens the door for a Republican return to relevance. Newsom has provided a real rallying point, organizational point, for Republicans that they never had during the Jerry Brown years. To be sure, Newsom was dealt a much tougher hand than Governor Brown. He didn't cause the pandemic, of course, but his handling of it, including the failure of the state unemployment agency, has generated anger, even among some people who voted for him. The Hoover Institution's He Chen, who works in Republican politics, sees a real opportunity for the party in California.
1: I live in the middle of a, a very progressive part of California, And I talk to moms and dads every day
0: who just don't, they don't understand why we can't get basic things right. California's Republican Party has been shrinking for years. It's now just a quarter of registered voters. Stuck in the minority so long in Sacramento, they've become little more than critics. And Chen says that needs to change.
1: The most important thing that Republicans can do is to articulate what it is that you're actually going to do if you're given the opportunity to lead. And that's something that I think, unfortunately,
0: Republicans haven't been good enough at doing. Independent legislator Chad Mays, once the Republican leader in the Assembly, left the GOP over Donald Trump. Today,
1: the Trump Republicans own uh, the the, the Republican Party nationally and the Trump Republicans own the California Republican Party as well. The question is, will they pivot and shift into a new direction?
0: Mays thinks the party took a step in that direction recently, ditching Senate Republican leader Shannon Grove.
1: Shannon represented the extreme part of the Republican Party, the Trump supporters, the MAGA supporters, and
0: and maybe even some of the, the QAnon uh, conspirators. The caucus replaced her with its most moderate member, Senator Scott Wilk, who just won re-election in an increasingly purple district in the exurbs of Los Angeles. May says elevating Wilk, a more traditional conservative, shows Republicans are trying to rebrand the party.
1: Scott understands for the Republican Party to succeed in California, it has to begin to act and behave a lot more like uh, what Californians believe. Um, and so, you know, I think that's a good development for Uh, for that caucus and for the Republican Party at large.
0: That may help the party change its image, but even though Republicans picked up four congressional seats in California last November, they have a very long way to go before achieving any real power in Sacramento. For the California Report, I'm Scott Schaefer.
1: And that's the California Report for Thursday, January 28th. We're a production of KQED Public Radio. I'm Saul Gonzalez in L.A. Thanks so much for listening and have a good day.
0: Support for the California Report comes from Personal Capital, offering professional-grade financial tools and objective advice from a fiduciary, personalcapital.com. Eric and Wendy Schmidt, whose philanthropy includes Schmidt Futures, focused on finding exceptional people and helping them do more for others together on the web at schmidtfutures.com and California Healthcare Foundation ensuring the voices of Californians are heard in California's decisions about healthcare on the web at chcf.org/voices